Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Disney Deconstructed Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Calder. Today, I am joined, as always, by my good friends, Jake Moody. Yo. And Spencer Bennett. How's it going, everyone? Special day. Yeah, special, special day. <laughs> Today, we are joined by a very special guest, been on the show before, the amazing Preston Moore. Hello, how's it going? Amazing. Thank you for joining us today, Preston. For sure. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, today, we're just going to be talking about uh, not too much news, honestly. Uh, <laughs> there's some speculation about Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary and um, the Epcot overhaul and how all of the all of that is going to be affected by COVID-19. Um, Bob Iger has essentially been reinstated as CEO. Um, he has said that the company will come back, but with fewer employees. So we're, we will talk about that. Um, and there has been an article that has come out that says that Netflix is now worth more than Disney. We will definitely get into that. Um, how is COVID-19 affecting Disney? Um, the Disney family sing-along um, happened. And, yeah, it happened. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk a bit about it. And we'll get into some fun, friendly debates between <laughs> us and Preston Moore, who's joining us today. That sounds so, like, it, like it's overwhelmingly like three on one. I, I, I'm going to sit back say. and watch Jake. <laughs> I'm usually very, I'm usually very middle ground um, in the debates that we do. I feel like we'll so, so uh, I tr I try to be the nice person in the middle. So I'll we'll see what happens. I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but without, uh, and then lastly, we'll do picks of the week, of course. And so without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, we'll do the news first and talk okay. about um, this speculation that everyone's been having about uh wdw's 50th anniversary as well as the epcot overhaul so i guess we'll just kind of go around um preston i would love to get your ideas first about how these events will be affected yeah so i mean i mean everything in life is up in the air right now obviously um there's really no good way to put that i guess everything everywhere is up in the air and no one really knows anything um but <laughs> as it pertains to disney world you know they had this massive overhaul planned as we all know especially with epcot and you know with them closing the parks i know at first a lot of people were like oh now they can like get some work done you know while people are gone yeah. but they're also closing construction so it's like i i would hope you know i would i would assume that since it is like an anniversary thing it's not necessarily like a you know um it's not just a random you know thing that they're doing it's like there's a time element to this they're doing it for the 50th anniversary so i would assume and hope that they would like fast track it or do what they can to get things done by the 50th that being said they definitely might not um there's really no no way to know i don't think you know i don't think that they'll hopefully they won't cancel part of it or like cut certain renovations that they were doing i know that they've already gotten to work on just about everything in Epcot that they have announced, like they've already been in construction. So I don't think they would cancel any of that or like, you know, 
make any any cuts there, but I I can see it being prolonged. Hopefully not, since there's that time element. But I I don't know, you know. Right. Yeah, mm. I I feel that there's definitely a certain idea of what we've seen with other uh, prolongments. Um, I think like like Galaxy's Edge, how mm-hmm. like Rise of the Resistance took a lot longer than a lot of people were expecting. Um, so I think that it's possible that with like Epcot, certain aspects of the renovation will take longer than expected. Um, but I feel like as a majority, I feel like there will be definitely this push to the finish line, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, because we've seen that before as well. Um, I feel like Disneyland Shanghai comes to mind uh, when I think of that. But I'd love to get everyone else's point of view. Um, Spencer? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not so nervous at the uh, that they're going to cancel specific things. More of that I'm nervous that what was initially planned slash promised is not necessarily going to be what gets made. With obvious good reason. I mean, there's no one could have seen this coming. I know that at Epcot, like Ratatouille and Guardians, I mean, they were doing work on those when we were in Florida last June. So those are probably pretty much locked at this point. Like the way that they were pitched or the way they're going to end up. I know Ratatouille is like pretty much done from everything that I've heard from different insiders and stuff. Um, Yeah. But Mary Poppins, I don't know how far they've gotten into that construction. So it's it's just, is it going to be, like, with all the concept art we got at D23, is it going to look like that, or is it going to be something way more scaled down just because, like you said, Preston, they're on a time crunch because this is all planned to basically have an, a whole gallery of new offerings for the 50th. How feasible can it be when you basically have just take, when you're in the long run, who knows how long it'll be, but at least, like, three months off. Mm-hmm. Now you're three months behind schedule. You've lost an insane amount of revenue just as the company in general. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be pretty uncertain times. I do think something they have kind of in their favor is that this, like the 60th anniversary of Disneyland, the Diamond Celebration, felt like it was like three years long. It, oh, yeah. That's it was that's so, true. so long. It was um, years. So how long they want to stretch the 50th, like maybe the actual date of like the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom being open won't necessarily have all of the offerings they initially planned. But the way they phrase it, it's kind of like they're these celebrations, not necessarily just the date. So I think we'll definitely see them playing into that a lot more, trying to kind of, well, it's the 50th celebration, not necessarily the 50th date, just because of this current situation. But that's my take on it. I hope they say the same, but. Mm -hmm. They may, I think they may do something akin to what they did with Galaxy's Edge at both parks where they're like, here's galaxy's edge without this entire half of galaxy's edge, you know? So they may be like, Oh, it's the 50th now. And we have all these new things and all these other things that aren't quite ready, but they're coming. You know what I mean? Right. The, the phased opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we have seen many a time and oft over the last few years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if we talked about this already. Campus got officially delayed, but that's not surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, if and with the 60th celebration in Disneyland California like if we're talking about the time that it took from the day that it initially officially started to the I day know. where those like diamond um roof like spires got yeah the the spires and the diamond roof decorations finally came down 
four years. Literally, at yeah. least I think at least three years. It took yeah. forever. Still run Disneyland forever, which is the final yeah. show yeah. from the Diamond yeah. Celebration. It's like the best show they've ever done at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But they they don't they took a long time to let go of that. Yeah, Jake, what's your vibe? Well, yeah, just end on that. Uh, the although sixtieth is like a nice pretty number, and that's like a long time and whatever. 50th means something else and Disney World means something else like it's not just the Magic Kingdom 50th is the whole thing so I feel like this is like oh even though the 60th was like a big and awesome uh, celebration I mean the 50th is like its own beast but before we talk about it I'm just scrolling through like these pictures Epcot is like the coolest place (laughs) I'm so bummed I miss it so much because when we were there what blew me like what properly blew me away was animal kingdom because like it doesn't even make sense how that place exists Mm -hmm. epcot to me in theory made sense it's like okay here's a tomorrowland stuff and then like here's where you drink but just like (laughs) looking at it in in like the concept art and everything it's so 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 cool and then comparing it to dca which should be comparable unbelievable but anyways um i i guess i'm a little more worried than you guys are because even when they just announced everything at D23, it was very Epcot-based, which was uh, to be expected and exciting. I remember I was really, really excited, like, day of, and maybe, like, even when we recorded the podcast. But then on, like, the coming days and weeks, when I started, like, uh, people started making videos about it, and then, you know, we're reading the articles and, like, Disney's posting more concept art and things. Myself, and it seems like a couple other people online, started to get not like concerned but just like a little bit put off because they're like um the most exciting or one of the most exciting things for me was the mary poppins it's like we're gonna get not only a new ride but like a new extension of the land or a reimagining or whatever and it felt like a really big deal but they didn't tell us a single thing about the attraction you know and you would think if it's like a big grand awesome thing that they have in the books and ready to go for the 50th They'd love to talk about it. But all they said is we're having a Mary Poppins attraction. A Mary Poppins attraction could very well just be a carousel. It, it won't be. But there's a difference between like a carousel and like an awesome dark ride. I think they gave like a really short story pitch. Like JPEG said, basically, you're going to fly over the house with the oh, really? children and stuff. It was very okay. brief and kind of well, surface level, but they did have a story. Right. Okay. As expected. I don't remember it. But um, yeah, my impression yeah. was that it was in early development, like early, yeah, early development. Yeah. And then on top of that, I remember the coolest thing um, beyond Moana, which I'm really excited about because it's a walkthrough, which is like very different and, uh, you know, just very different. So that's just exciting to begin with. But the, the coolest thing, the biggest like overhaul, overhaul, which wasn't IP based, was like that. If you guys remember like that tiered like landscaping thing, like where the fountains used to be at the very end of future world. And uh, it just looked really cool. And I think they were going to have a statue of Walt there. I remember they were going to add like, it was like lookout point or something. Right. Something like that. You could view like the world showcase Mm -hmm. and Walt was on a bench or something like um, that. Right. Which looked really cool. And if you look at like the concept art of like all of Epcot um, for like this overhaul, it's really big and grand, like smack in the middle. It looks awesome. Mm -hmm. But I was already prior to anything happening. This is like months ago hearing some articles that it's already getting scaled back and then people were like 
what's even in there? Is it just like a like stairs up to a garden or is it going to be some kind of show or a restaurant? Like they didn't give any details on it. And then people started to say it's getting scaled back and then COVID happens. So it's like, uh, although like we were saying before, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ratatouille are like in the books because those have been done right. for the longest time. And Ratatouille already exists in a different park. So it's a right. copy paste deal. But um, the other things, I mean, you would think a company as big and grand as Disney and as big and grand of an event as the 50th, you know, has like stockpiles of money, like ready to go in case of a pandemic. But apparently not. So, I mean, who, who, really, who knows? And it, uh, it does kind of suck because these, these things, um, you know, like what we kind of talked about last week, these are the things they've announced and we didn't even know that much about. Think about like the blue sky things that they were still concepting. Think of the things right. that they were going to announce at the next D23. It's like, dude, these things that exist and there's pictures of and we're going to be built are going to be built, obviously, but I have to assume at least a little bit scaled back. And then all of the other things I'm sure are getting just completely chopped, which is a Told huge you, man. Defunct Land is going to have yeah, the that. best like, content <laughs> coming up. Like the COVID edition of Defunct Land, everything that got chopped. That's season Netflix series on its own. It is a season four series. of Defunct Land is going to be good quality content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're but, right, Jake. You got to think they had a lot in the pipeline they hadn't even announced yet, just to kind of yeah. wait, keep building up anticipation for it. You know, those things I mean, they have more than enough, like more than enough reason to drop. And just yeah. like kind of, all right, well, we can't afford that now. And exactly. that's totally, they would rather do that than have the bad PR of canceling something that's already out in the open, you know? Of course. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dude, think even at our park in Disneyland, there have been consistent rumors for years, but like they seem to be coming to fruition. Like a third gate might have been coming. They were thinking about buying Angel Stadium was up for sale. The Angels are probably moving because of like city disagreements. Right. Um, yeah. They were thinking about buying like the Garden Walk right across the street. There's been they were just expanding the Toy Story parking lot. If you don't know, it's just like a seconds parking lot, but it's all big and flat. It's a giant piece of land that basically hasn't been developed yet. I mean, there have been rumors and things going on for the longest, longest time, and it's not like um, you know Disneyland Resort was having any kind of. Uh, you know, like over the summer, sure, there was like some attendance things with Galaxy's Edge, but that was a very momentary issue in regards to everything. They were so and, busy about Christmas right, time. You know? it, 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 was, it was still busy. It was Disney. And I remember seeing videos about uh, maybe they can convert half of downtown Disney into a DCA expansion. Like there were, so, there were like real rumors that were going on, and I'm sure conversations with an Imagineering. Because, I mean, Disneyland is just continuing to be, I mean, the big investment of, uh, of Galaxy's Edge and then the announcement of the Mickey and Minnie ride, like, there's no slowing down there. Mm-hmm. But now what? The, I mean, the only option is to slow down, I guess. And it's just a hu- huge bummer, honestly. So, uh, you know, it, it's great that Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratatouille, we also forgot to mention that, like, space-themed restaurant in Epcot, Seem to be like really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Which looks really fun. The it's hotel, the Star Wars hotel. hotel. That, mm-hmm. I, but the the things that were in production already, mm-hmm. I assume, are all good to go. They're just going to be like paused. But you see, like Avengers Campus, that e ticket, dude, no way. If we get it, 
it's going to be so far in the future and it's going to be way smaller than whatever they were planning. You know, such a bummer because now we're going to be stuck with uh, Mission Breakout, which is fine. And, uh, and the Spider-Man ride, which we assume is going to be a, a different version of Toy Story Mania. Yeah. So it's like a 20, a 2020, 2021-ish uh, Toy Story mm-hmm. Mania. Yeah, exactly. So that that's my uh, takeaway from it all. It's just like a, what could have been, I guess, you know. Yeah. But the Defunct Line episodes. <laughs> 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 I guess uh, I did want to talk to Preston, though, while we have you here, just about, like, um, the, regardless of any of that stuff, like just the idea of updating Epcot, because this being your hometown park and resort, like mm-hmm. they're literally changing the whole front half of the park. Yeah. And then they're the IPs everywhere, which is like very against what Epcot used to be. So we all, right. uh, the people who usually do this show, we've spent a couple days there. You spent a summer there, you know, so you have a very different connection to it than we do. So yeah. I'm curious to see what you felt about all of that, like when it was announced. I, I've, Epcot's always been my favorite park. Nice. favorite disney park ever anywhere um absolutely love it i don't like i've it's it's weird i've never had like epcot's my favorite park because of this 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 and this it's been just like epcot's my favorite park because epcot like it is what it is and i love it um yeah. so i was pretty skeptical about all the changes um most skeptical about what they're doing to spaceship earth with mm shutting it down for like two to renovate and then just not even knowing what it's going to be which is you're like apparently following some little light or something yeah i don't know (laughs) i understand though like it needed like most of the things in epcot definitely needed um a renovation of some sort i think it was definitely next in line in terms of like when you look at all of walt disney world like it was definitely like hollywood studios needed it and now you know, what's next? Definitely Epcot, you know, or at right. least the world within Epcot. Agreed. Um, yeah. But, but, but I love it. So it's like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know so, if I want it to change. I don't know if I trust it that much. Um, you know, so what I've was been your, what was your it, reaction but, when those changes like first initially started happening? Like, what was your reaction when, when they started taking out the rocks, the do- like uh, mm-hmm. contributor rocks? Well, that was weird because uh, eight-year-old Preston's face is on one of those. <laughs> uh, no longer, no longer in the park. No, I'm just outside the gate. Um, but I am on there. If any listeners want to find me, <laughs> I don't look like I do now. But um, I don't know. the The construction. The last time I went was early February. I was supposed to be going. Um, here in about two weeks, but obviously not anymore. Dang, um, really? Yeah, it's a bummer, but. That sucks. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I was there early February, and they had gotten in. There were, at the time, um, I want to say 14 construction sites. Wow. So that's what I mean when I say, and I don't know specifically what was each one, but I know they've started to work on quite a lot. I know for sure, obviously, like, Guardians, just about done. Ratatouille, probably in the testing phase, at least, you know? Uh Uh-huh. those two were done or those two were like probably about 50% done at the time that I was, you know, living and working there in fall 2018. So that was a while ago. Um, yeah. As for the other stuff, I know they started work on the, the play pavilion thing. Oh yeah. I completely on. forgot about that. Yeah. 
I know they started working on the um, the new fountain in front of uh, in front of Spaceship Earth as you enter the park, but the rest of them were just kind of like I have no idea what those construction sites were, um, but I know that they had a lot. So I know that they had already started on a lot of things, but I was definitely you know I was it was bittersweet to see my favorite part like not in full. Function, I, I guess mode. right because uh, it was like it was, you just walk around i mean cards like a shell of itself board, kind like, of massive wooden walls everywhere <laughs> like uh-huh. you don't see anything um but it's definitely i think there are, are a lot of upgrades i'm excited for like the space restaurant um that little garden rooftop thing rooftop garden um which i found out is called dreamers point I that's think. what it is dreamers point. yeah yeah. I, mean, I think that that sounds fun even if there's nothing there like it'll just be cool to have like a rooftop garden it looks gorgeous mm-hmm. um i think adding mary poppins isn't necessarily a bad thing mary poppins and moana like i don't have a problem with adding them even though they're like kind of stuffing ips everywhere like they they want to make it more of a kid's park i think i think that and also there wasn't anything really there before you know yeah right um, like when you look even with ratatouille i mean ratatouille is just like just they're just putting a ride behind where france was you know they're not you know replacing anything right i I, I would understand the complaints when they added you know frozen ever after over the maelstrom but in terms of like moana and um mary poppins and ratatouille like there's nothing there right now they're just Mm -hmm. inserting it where you know right now there's just i mean generic english buildings i guess which yeah kind of stuffing ips but i don't i never had any problem with that my main concern was always spaceship earth because that's my baby and (laughs) (laughs) oh jake loves him some spaceship so when you were there in february was spaceship earth still running yeah oh yeah yeah i don't know when they were planning on closing it or if they already have or had before they canceled Mm -hmm. or before they closed you got to say goodbyes which is nice yeah, I think yeah. it's like planned <laughs> last date was during this pandemic. Yeah. Because I remember like, there was a big Diz Twitter thing where people had planned trips to like ride oh, Epcot yeah. or oh, Space no. Earth on its last day and it was no longer open. So, <laughs> uh, which is like the so biggest. That just sucks. I yeah. think your point about how you're like almost nostalgic for Epcot, to, like older Epcot, it, it plays into my our view on Hollywood Studios where Epcot is like, dated but there's still something charming about it hollywood mm. studios is at a point where it's so dated yeah. that it's like eye rolling yeah. almost and it's just weird that in the same resort there's these two different parks that are both are like dated and epcot's getting like the remake it, uh, it needs and hollywood studios just got runaway railway and galaxy edge they're on mm. their way to building that park back up yeah. but it's weird how revered epcot is how loved epcot is <laughs> yeah. versus like the dating of hollywood studios you know hollywood studios, interesting just about everybody was just like all right let's yeah, it's so like nineties Michael Eisner. Yeah, it's so time to go. So yeah. hilariously Eisner <laughs> is the best way to describe well, it's it. It's like the what the original plan of DCA was was yeah. Hollywood Studios. Right. Yeah. Um, right. It's interesting times. So another question for you before we move on, but staying with Disney World, were you there with the Skyliner? Yes, it's amazing. How'd that go? About it's it. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is. You know, the and the response that I've seen has been incredible, too, from people who have written it. I would imagine, I don't have any, like, insider info, 
about this from anybody I know, but I would imagine that they want to connect all four parks at some time mm-hmm. in the future. I would imagine right. that Skyliner is a way to do I'm it. Sure. sure. We stayed in the Riviera, which was incredible, um, which has Skyliner. You know, you can go into Epcot and Hollywood Studios via the Skyliner um, straight from the hotel. And it was just, I mean, it's fast, it's efficient, it's smooth, it's not too scary. Um, and like, it was, I mean, it was awesome. I, I don't know if I would have loved it as much if I were staying at a resort that didn't have it, but like sure. having it just there and like, boom, you're at Hollywood studios in, um, like in Epcot, yeah. five, six minutes or an Epcot in five, six minutes. Like it was awesome. And the views are great. Like we actually, we went, um, the, the one I wrote it the most was when I went, I went directly after Christmas with my family and we, um, for New Year's Eve, we didn't go to a park because that was, we weren't going to mess with that. Um, so we got on the Skyliner and we could see Magic Kingdom, Epcot and Hollywood Studios fireworks from our little Sasek. And we were That's like, right awesome. ne- we had a great view of Epcot. Epcot was like right there. So the Skyliner is absolutely incredible like it's the best mode of transportation that disney cool that's awesome by far and i would be shocked if they don't add more in the next five six years Mm -hmm. yeah that's the i mean there's no need for something like that in california because the parks are right next to each other but i mean such a such a like big factor in the charm for people who aren't used to it it's like you have the monorail here you have the skyliner here when we were there, we took the boats to uh, Disney Springs. Oh, yeah. There's just like yeah. so many different ways to go around. You're like yeah. really in your own world, yeah, which is so um, cool. And uh, but you know, I will say, I know Spencer disagrees. I thought the buses were a complete pain in the ass. Like, they, oh my god, me, they just sucked. They were fine. Sucked. They're they no, were, they were. I would not do them again. They were. How fine. would you get around? The I Skyliner. Would, I would take. I would take now. the Skyliner, the monorail, and the mini lift. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm happy and glad to see they're addressing because to me, I mean, Lane, you have to remember we were there at like peak hotness. It could not be hotter and more miserable than when we were there. <laughs> so, and I do remember they made new buses with like chargers or something. So, like, it's cool to see uh, updates in places that frankly they needed, just like Epcot. They needed things in Epcot. So, it's cool to see. Um, you know, like we always say, now more than ever, that we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens because of COVID. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, they we, we were talking about the Star Wars hotel being planned. I mean, that was going to be like a huge money maker for them. It was like five grand a night or something crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in a, from a business point of view, like right now they're like hemorrhaging money. But do you go ahead with the things that you know are for sure going to bring back big returns, mm-hmm. like a Star Wars hotel? Will they go like full steam ahead on that and maybe pump the brakes on something like a Mary Poppins, which may not necessarily generate huge, because is it going to be an e-ticket? Like, we don't know. Probably not. I assume it's going to be like a fun, dark ride kind of vibe. But will that, you know, bring in the same revenue as a Star Wars hotel? Like, absolutely not. So it'll be interesting to see where the, because money now is tight. So where do they choose to put what they have? It's going to be, it's going to be cool. I think the answer to that, we've talked about it before was the virtual queues they've Mm. been i mean they clearly they work although they're kind of a pain in the ass they work and it keeps people out of cramped crowded spaces and into wandering around the parks and when people are wandering around the parks 
they buy a slushy or a t-shirt or whatever. And A, it's more fun to walk around and go in the shops than stand in a crowded space, even if the queue is really cool. So mm-hmm. it's like two birds with one stone. I have to imagine that's the answer. And, and then uh, Orlando was already basically doing it with the Fast Pass Plus. I mean, that was like a half step away from doing all virtual queues. So. Right. Anyways, we probably should move on <laughs> from all that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about Bob Iger now. <laughs> Bob yeah. Iger has, for all intents and purposes, be, been uh, essentially reinstated as CEO. Um, talking about the company coming back, but with, quote, fewer employees. Um, Spencer... I would love to get your response first. Yeah. So what's especially that quote um, is interesting because it's like, does it apply to cast members? Does it apply to salaried executives? Like, what does that mean? Are they going to be closing smaller like production houses within the studio? It's very vague, probably purposely vague, <laughs> yeah, but definitely. it's definitely concerning and it it's, yeah, it's just concerning. I mean, him coming back as CEO, coming back as CEO um, <laughs> is great. Like, Bob Iger is a legend in, as far as yeah. the Walt Disney Company. Like, he turned them into an empire. He took a studio that had just gone through a renaissance and was kind of plateauing and immediately brought them back into, like, a glory days, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Bob Iger is, is like, he's a business genius. He's obviously, I think he has some creative capabilities, too. I mean, he wouldn't have. He does. He's got to. He's got to. He hires Kevin Feige. He hires these people that know what they're doing. He's he's got to be able to judge people that to know what the people who know what they're doing. You know, so Bob Iger is just a great leader. Um, like Jake said before we started the show, people thought about him being president for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought the reason he stepped down as CEO was he was going to join the Democratic primary because it was so <laughs> crazy for a while. Obviously, that didn't happen. But um, <laughs> I uh, I think it's great news that Iger's take commanding the ship. I think it's interesting on what it says about Disney's faith in JPEG. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how far to read into that. But, I mean, th- if you think about it, like, take a step back. He was just given the job. So right. He had, they're just he had not zero sure. chance to do anything. Right, right. Yeah. So maybe Disney's like, we'll let you kind of – we're not going to start your tenure as CEO with right. this huge bomb. So we'll give it back. We'll give most control back to Bob, and then we'll let you prove yourself later on. Or the other Bob. Do they have no faith in Bob Chapek? <laughs> right. Which is an interesting right. discussion. Nobody knows, but I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. But the fewer employees quote, yeah, it's concerning. It's, it makes me sad for all the cast members in the parks and whoever. Or hopefully it means like people that are salaried, because that would make more sense. Because how much budget are you going to save by like cutting like $12 an hour cast members, you know, right. versus sure. like big salaried executives over branch that you may necessarily not need anymore. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about Iger, JPEG situation? What's the, what's the take? Why don't we go Preston first? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also want to hear your reaction, regardless of what happens later in the future too, when they named JPEG the CEO. Hmm. Well, when they named him the CP- CEO, I was, um, devastated (laughs) i was i was was not happy about it of all people i mean i i have not you know historically from what i've seen and i could be wrong i'm not you know as well versed i I, i'd imagine i'm not as well versed in you know disney executive tenures um 
yeah the three of you are but oh wow um, Chapek, well, thank you <laughs> from yeah yeah you're welcome Chapek, from what i've seen has uh, time and time again put profit over um like creativity and yeah, i agree with you that is not someone that i want in charge of all of disney you know because you know the things he's done in the parks obviously there have been some really awesome things like galaxy's edge is incredible it was supposed to be more incredible you know and that is just a massive red flag for me um so i wasn't super happy about it you know i i hope that they don't go stuffing ips into everything um in terms of the parks because maybe that makes more money here and there um you know i really I, I I thought Bob I think Bob Iger did has done an incredible job. Um, like I think he's done really really well. Um, I was surprised that I was surprised he stepped down, and I was surprised that Chapek was the replacement. I don't think I expected that at all. Um, I don't know who it would have been instead, but it just surprised me. Um, in terms of this whole switch up thing, I mean I I. <laughs> I would like to say that it's because I don't have faith in JPEG, but I don't think that's it. Um, you know, that would be cool, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's more more of a, like, oh, shoot, we just named you CEO, and then we had to close everything. Um, yeah, but, uh, like, this dude, like, you put yourself in Bob JPEG's shoes, that's like a nightmare. Like, you're oh, yeah. now in charge of one of the most powerful companies in the history of the world. <laughs> and 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 you're in the biggest crisis that you've seen in in decades you know and like what what <laughs> what do you do right. you know like that's a terrible terrible situation to be in so i can imagine that they had it and then they were like oh, okay well we're gonna let Iger kind of run the show and maybe you can you know um obviously i'm sure that he's been and i know they said that he'd been like um learning under Iger for for months before they officially mm-hmm. switch but i'd imagine that during the crisis they're like okay well you know we don't want to throw you into this immediately so Iger, go ahead go back in um and chapek you can resume whenever this all blows over hopefully you know and then like spencer said you'll have your time to prove yourself or whatever i think that is probably more likely in terms of like you know less employees that is really sad i'd imagine i would like to think that um it's for salaried mm-hmm. you know executives the, the guys who are making the big bucks um because when you think about it, at the end of the day cast members like on the ground in the parks um how much of that can you actually cut and how much you are you gonna get from that? like you've already got you know you've got obviously you have a little bit of leeway with they've canceled like college programs everywhere for you know the june arrivals and then they sent home all the spring people but that's almost a reaction day. to COVID over salary yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, for stuff. sure. For sure. It definitely is. Um, but I, I mean, in terms of like numbers of who you have working in the parks, like you have some leeway to where you can do that, I think. Right. Um, but how much leeway do you have in terms of like you need X amount of people in Magic Kingdom? Exactly. In Epcot. Like you have, that's on the ground. You have to have those people there. In terms of like salaried executives, maybe you can shift things up to where you can you know make have one office control more things and therefore have less employees you know and Mm -hmm. and 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 maybe 
save a little money there but yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it's a it sucks. <laughs> it sucks it does yeah, yeah i see that <laughs> with the uh employees thing obviously none of us are economists but uh in turn exactly what you were just talking about like in terms of people on the grounds at all the parks all around the world it's like uh if you are to fire the ride up you just need another ride up right when it opens exactly and the only thing i can imagine that you can feasibly cut which unfortunately we've seen at least in disneyland resort a lot of already cutting a lot of like the live entertainment things which is a bummer so potentially we come back and there's less live entertainment you know like who knows what it's going to look like can you pack so many people and to watch a show like what they were used to doing who knows exactly what that's going to look like but yeah like that is all the i don't know what like all the different cast member jobs are but like if for the people who like work in the ice cream store you're just going to need another person to work in the ice cream store right when it opens so i you know it has to be like the bigger guys but with that being said i have no idea how any of that stuff works (laughs) yeah Um, um to give my thoughts um and yes, I may not be an economist, but I do have a business minor. Uh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of agree with all of you, especially um, I'm kind of between Spencer and Preston. Um, I think that, you know, if there, if there is room to, in, in a manner of speaking, stretch cast members, I think that that may be done um when things reopen so it's like hey um if you're able to work more hours please do so um because the bottom line is that um it's easier to pay someone a bit more than to hire a whole nother person um that's just the fact of the matter um and uh but i do agree with you that at a certain point you need those people down on the ground in the parks uh talking to people and helping people um and running the rides and the attractions and the shops and everything like you need to run the park and you need a certain amount of staff in order to do that um so i do feel like most of those cuts and layoffs would be um higher budget or higher salaried people um not to say that there wouldn't be any um cuts that come at the cast member level uh i do think that could happen i'm not saying that it won't um and i'm not saying that it will but i wouldn't be surprised if it did to some extent but i feel like it it wouldn't happen to the same extent than it that it would at the uh upper salary folks right yeah in regards to oh go ahead no go ahead you go Go ahead. ahead I, I think I your point, Preston, about how you would need to, how you can't, you, they have the amount of people that they need right now to run the park, unless they mm-hmm. plan on doing a full shift on how the parks operate, which would be exactly. insane, but like maybe not out of the question at this point, who knows, then they would kind of have a re-evaluation of how everything operates. But if they plan on, you know, going back to normal, that's what everyone keeps saying is when things return to normal. I mean, you, there's not much downsizing to do within the parks itself. Like, oh, they pretty much are stretched as thin as they can be, like, operationally, like, safety-wise. Like, you got to think, like, they have safety ordinance they have to follow, like, by, from mm-hmm. the government and just, like, general wisdom, like, to keep people safe within the parks, like, crowd control. Like, you can't just cut certain things. So it's very interesting if they 
if they do plan on downsizing at the cast member level, you almost have to flip how the parks operate in general. So that would be a full different discussion. But um, yeah, yeah, I see that. Um, the only thing before we move on from this about the JPEG thing, because I do, I'm about 90% of the way there with Preston. And the reason why I have this 10% is because I remember who I was watching or listening to, probably DSMY newscast. But um, w- each CEO that you can remember, I mean, okay, so Walt and then Michael Eisner and then um, Iger all very clearly like had their own like mission statement and like wanted to like leave a piece of them in the company. You don't just fall into a position like that. Right. So we have, I mean, this is where I'm with you. The things that um, JPEG seems to be solely responsible for, I'm with you. They're not some of my favorite stuff and it could have been some of my favorite stuff. That's why it's such a bummer. And then things that are just like dumb, like Pixar Pier, and they just got staggered for so long. And like, you can see directly through like a decision like that. So I'm with you that like, he's definitely a maximize, um, maximize profit kinds of guy, as opposed to let's tell this new incredible story. At least it seems like that. But I love the idea of the next CEO coming from the parks. I mean, even if it's, I don't agree with the things he does from the parks, they chose somebody who was in charge of Disneyland, you know? So it's like, where Iger definitely was into the like thing that he's going to leave behind beyond Disney plus is accusations of these giant um, studios. And now they have so many more things to make movies about. This guy came from parks. So you have to imagine, even if I don't like all the things he did with the parks, it's still somebody coming from Imagineering. So I love that decision. I mean, I don't need them buying Sony, you know, like they've already acquired everything they can. So let's right. shift the focus now. Uh, so that was like my, the silver lining behind it all. That's um, a very good point. You know what I mean? But in regards to the uh, Iger and JPEG thing, I mean, it really wacko and weird. I don't know. Also, the biggest, comp- like the rumor was it was either going to be JPEG or, uh, I don't remember his name, but it's basically like the direct consumer person so it's basically the guy in charge of disney plus and that's the guy who is doing the best job at disney right now i mean if there's some if there's any thing that they're doing well right now it's everything online they're killing it not only with disney plus but with um talk about it in a minute like this family sing-along and like the phone number dial thing and they're making really cute like disney animated youtube videos that's all him and he's killing it the only saving grace in their stocks is it kevin mayer yeah yeah so um i mean who knows maybe they come back (laughs) from all this and they say we were doing a little shake up and now he's in charge because he's the guy directly in charge of the only profitable thing granted it's not like because of him it's because everything else is physically shut but he stepped up to the plate and is doing awesome so uh i mean that is a possibility and worth talking about because the the like articles that we're reading about whatever's happening at CEO, frankly, make no sense, especially for a company this big. Like, how do we not know? The articles say he's back, but then articles are like, well, we're not going to say it like that exactly. On the website, it still says JPEG, but JPEG is nowhere in the news. So it just doesn't make sense at all. So we very well can come back to that world. It might be a publicity act, Mm -hmm. maybe, Mm -hmm. because Iger is such such a friendly face to 
a majority of the world, you know, unless you're like someone who's like very anti-Disney, which those people exist and you're allowed sure. to have your incorrect opinion. But, <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it might be a saving face kind of thing? Cause I know a lot of people were uneasy, like, Oh my God, like we, even we just talked about like a new CEO in charge of this crisis. Maybe it's a saving like PR kind of thing with like, well, no, no, Iger's, Iger's got it handled. Um, yeah, I think if we find if Disney gets through this and is like stronger than ever, and then we get a release that actually was JPEG the whole time, that I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I think there's so many different ways to think about it. I definitely think the first thing I said, which is that it's just Iger's tried and true. They don't want to put JPEG under the stress in this first little bit. That's probably what's going on. But there are some valid other options there. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I we talk this to death. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible that they'll real that Iger will be like. At the end of all this, he'll be like, "Oh, actually, you know, it was you know Chapek. He he took on a huge, he took on the huge load on his back through the through all this. You know, um, it was mostly him. Um, and and then we'll be sitting having this same conversation, know, exactly. being like, <laughs> being like, is that true? Was that a stunt? <laughs> like, was it Iger? Was it Chapek? Uh, but whatever. Um, that 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 yet to come. Um, yeah, exactly." But it will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the reason we're theorizing is because it's such a weird announcement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, moving on, finally, um, an article came out uh, that Jake, you actually read, I believe it was, mm -hmm. um, that Netflix is now worth more than Disney. Uh, tell us a bit about that. <laughs> dun, it's just crazy. Dun, dun. I mean, the, those words make no sense because we were on the <laughs> podcast a couple months ago and I was like so firmly on the team of Disney Plus is about to kill Netflix. You and I both I, ragged on Netflix for like an hour. Dude, well, because the thing is, um, with everybody making their own streaming service and Disney opened that door and now Peacock is a thing and uh, HBO Max is about to be a thing. They really opened Pandora's box for streaming services. <laughs> well, listen, the 100%. thing is, so you're taking all the licensed stuff off of Netflix. So the only things that exist are Netflix exclusives. So they've got some yeah. fun comedy specials, Stranger Things. I'm going to continue to pay for Stranger Things when um, I can watch every Warner Brothers movie ever made and every Disney movie and every Fox movie. And Hulu is just going to merge with Disney Plus. And like, I'm like, there's no way that it can happen. But um, like I just said, Disney Plus, what, it had like 50 million new subscribers or whatever. And it's still losing to Netflix. So apparently I don't know anything. So and I will me, say yeah, go Netflix, ahead, Preston. Netflix, like it was more of a like like a split. And I'm again not an economist, don't know anything about it, but I just looked it up. So <laughs> it was more of a like a oh, Netflix is worth more than Disney for this for right now. But now I was I, say that, yeah. Disney's back on top. I can say like I'll look up the numbers, but and Netflix, yeah, this was at 187.3 billion and Disney was 186.6. So it was literally mm. 0.7 more. And now right. Disney's already well, back Well, even the fact that they're that close right now know, it's is crazy. crazy. It's because Disney or Netflix is a streaming service and that's it. Disney is a streaming service and 50 other things. Right. So that's why it's so insane to even be like competing. Like they shouldn't even be in the same market. Well, because um, because of this crisis, they're now equal footing. They're both just yeah. streaming. Yeah. So Netflix definitely has skyrocketed in the last few weeks. I'm sure. I mean, mm -hmm. it's skyrocketed on my TV. So yeah. Well, exactly. Like, because yeah. if you have if you're stuck inside and you 
want to watch something. I mean, you can get, I love Disney, but even then, like you can get a little tired of watching Disney content because it's a very specific type of content. Right. Whereas Netflix, Netflix has a has wider variety. A wider variety. And I think because Disney Plus is so new, this is going to change in the next couple of years. I think ideally is that's the plan, but Netflix has more new content and just more content. Definitely. And I think there's more of an appeal because, you know, Disney Plus, you know, they've got those weird, like, you know, weird 90s live action Disney movies. That you <laughs> like Splash with Tom you know. Hanks. Yeah, you're like, oh, Splash. that's weird. Uh, yeah. You know, but Who that's like, that, that's the content that you can find on Disney Plus. They're like, oh, I didn't know that existed. With Netflix, I mean, it's like every three or four days mm-hmm. you find something and you're like, I didn't know that existed. Cool. I'm well, and think about it. Love is Blind and Tiger King were like the two most popular shows of the yeah. year. And they yeah. came out like two weeks apart, both on the exact same streaming service. Yeah. So, uh, and they're not stopping. They've got like three in the pipeline that look exactly the same. And yeah. uh, they're just continuing to make Tiger King, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's Don't just- break it, exotic out of jail if they have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seeking a presidential pardon from Donald Trump. This yeah, is, I know. Oh my I, God. So- uh, I was surprised. That's, but yeah, about the actual numbers, like it was- it was clearly like a really scandalous headline just to be exciting because it was literally citing like uh, the amount of money per share, which Mm. is really uh, like a weird number because like you can, you know, like GE, let's say like the giant tech company, their share can be like $3 a share, but it's just like structured in a different way where Disney used to sit at like 110, 120, but it's just a completely different way of buying. Like one Disney share is equivalent to 30, 40 GE shares, even though GE is still a really good company. You know what I mean? So it was a, it's the numbers were just to make a scandalous headline, but at the same time, it's true. And it's just like crazy that we're even in that world, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like I, I'm kind of sitting with, with y'all on this. I, I still use Netflix a lot. Um, I'm, I feel like at a certain point, I, hold on, I'll, I'll correct this. I was, I think if I remember correctly, when we were initially having this discussion, I, I did not think that Disney was going to beat quote, uh, Netflix. I thought that, um, Disney and Netflix, cause I, I don't think that you can really like take out Netflix. I think that Disney and Netflix are going to be like two of their own things. I think that Disney and Netflix can take out the other smaller competitors. Definitely. Um, because Disney, you have the family programs for all the people who have kids at home right now. And Netflix, you have a lot of adult, adult programs and Tiger King. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's like, do I think that Peacock is going to survive in comparison to Netflix and, and Disney plus? I don't really know. Um, I have my doubts. Mm-hmm. I think I'm hopeful cause it sounds cool. Um, I think that HBO max is definitely going to do well. Um, yeah, definitely. Cause that HBO has proven that it's its own thing with its own platform and all that. Um, it's its own unique platform. Um, I think that, 
I'm wondering the thing about Peacock that I that concerns me is that I don't know if if people who have watched um you know Parks and Rec The Office seven times are going to be willing to pay for another service in order to watch it another seven times. That's the thing. I think Peacock is free with ads. So that's is it the, really? That's the difference. I think Peacock is uh you don't How have are to they do gonna make money, just ads only? Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, they've got like the two, just the office and Parks and Rec are more than enough to. Uh, well, I then think. that would be my concern because I hate ads. Right. <laughs> and then I'm sure there's a premium version that you can buy with no yeah, ads. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's why I will say, sucks I will say that I've been ads. loving Quibi. Yeah, really? that's. The, I can't believe that. I cannot I, believe I, that. I, I, I thought it was the best thing, right? Pitch. Dude, I. I I have to say, I I thought that I was not gonna like it. I I love it. I'm what are you that. watching? I don't understand. So there's this one show called uh, Murder House Flip, and it's kind of like your HGTV um, mm. house flipping show. But the twist is that every house they flip had a murder in it. That's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing content. Uh, that sounds like a Can you, like a Family Guy sketch. I know, yeah. seriously. It's what? it's a you show. Have, you have it's to watch it on your phone. Yeah, no it's on your phone. Um, wacko. That's there's amazing. also there's also some really cool uh, like uh, docu series that are on mm-hmm. there. There's a sports docu series that's really cool. There's a docu series about this um, chef who travels to Italy um, to try to like reclaim um, these pasta these forms of pasta that are dying off like he wants to disc- rediscover them and uh bring them to his restaurant and so you're, he's, okay so here's the thing let me stop you right there yeah. you're, you're paying no to watch the, that the first three months are only free on your phone okay so that's uh, everybody's gonna watch it for three months and then just not do it i don't think so i think that people are gonna keep doing it because it's fun okay then i like murder house it. flip has to be sold already <laughs> murder house <laughs> flip is sick but it just sounds like that could be a YouTube video. You I don't know? think. I don't know. The pitch I mean, itself. It, I thought this is just YouTube TV, which is a huge failure. Right. Right. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know. They've they have a definite production quality that I've that I was not quite expecting. If yeah, that makes sense. A good number of celebrities too. They have a lot of celebrities in their content, and uh, I really wasn't sure how the flipping. Cause there's this, like the big, one though. of the big things was like, you can, you can flip. Uh, Do you from hear what you're saying right now? Yeah. I, I hear, hear what I'm saying. It's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> They're like, Oh, you can, cause I thought it was stupid. I was like, Oh, you can flip from portrait mode to landscape mode whenever you want in the Your middle. phone just yeah. does that, man. I is so dumb. Dude. I know. So and just uh, a little arrow just points up and you're like, Oh, time to see it in a different. No, no, no. You just like can, can do it whenever you. Whenever yeah, you want, and it viewing mode. I watched it a little bit. I didn't like it very much. I'm glad you like it, Lane, but I, it was, <laughs> was not for me. But you can like flip it, and there's a portrait mode, which essentially just cuts off a ton of everything. That's what it sounds um, like, unless you're filming the thing twice <laughs> with a different camera. Which they, it seems like they sort of, it seems like they film it once, and then like if you're doing it in portrait mode, they just edit it differently, mm. um, and then it switches to the different edit is kind of how it seems, and. Um, I've figured out that like the studio based shows like the ESPN show that they have um, yeah. and the NBC news one that they have um, 
like anything kind of studio based seems much more comfortable to watch portrait mode. And then anything that's like, I guess, field based, anything that's outside, like if I'm watching murder house flip, uh, then <laughs> I, I much would rather watch it in landscape mode, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's Quibi. I I'm enjoying Quibi, but I think it's definitely a person to person experience. I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I don't even use TikTok, but it's gigantic and it does the exact same thing that Quibi wanted to do, and it's very free. So I don't know who's going to continue. I mean, no, adults. it's not. TikTok's TikTok like is more like media. Vine. Yeah. No, right. Quibi's right, like but the, professionally made stuff. Right, but yeah. it's supposed to only be a few minutes. Also, like it's supposed to be a little quick. You guys, TikTok's like five seconds. You well, guys I mean... Yes, story but you can get through. You guys will like this, especially Spencer. They just released a new show, I think, last week on Quibi. Um, that's produced by Sam Raimi. Oh, um, and it's He's called Fif- it's called Fifty States of Fright. Um, and it's it's an anthology horror series with cool. where each uh, installment takes place in a different U.S. state. Oh, that sounds fun. awesome. That's actually kind of cool. I'd like to see yeah. that. See, I would watch, I would get three months to watch like a couple episodes of that and see if I like it. And mm-hmm. Murder House Flip, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Murder House Flip is sick. Uh, I, mean, I can't wait. I'm going to watch some of that tonight. Yeah. Wow. Any, anyway. Uh, I'll bootleg if, it though. So we're kind of <laughs> yeah. going through like the, the little news things. I really wanted to bring up, it wasn't on our list. I really wanted to bring up that Sam Raimi is officially directing oh, Doctor Strange oh, 2. Oh, yes. Forgot yes. about that. That was speculated um, for a while. And speculated for a while. Knew that he was meeting with Disney execs and Marvel execs. Um, he's officially directing Doctor Strange 2. Uh, was it a multiverse of... Madness. Madness. That was, yeah. Yeah. Super excited for that. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, last week you and I convinced Jake that he was better than Scott Derrickson for the <laughs> now, Yeah. I know. Well, the thing, the thing was, the I was just bummed because it happens. I, it, I was just thinking about um, Ant Man because Edgar I was attached to that for the longest time. And I'm right. sure it had such a vision and it was going to be so different and cool and then he yeah. got fired because it was going to be different and cool and they needed it to fit the into, universe kind of grew into beyond the Edgar Wright style yeah right to the point where i have to they got scott dislick what's his name scott derrickson <laughs> scott dislick. Derrickson. dislick is the kardashian i think oh, uh, God, so they God. they got this guy because he's a horror director he did dr strange one has got some really cool and freaky sequences but all in all it fits perfectly well with everything they're doing. They announced this new movie with the announcement. They say it's going to be creepy and weird. It's called Multiverse of Madness. Super here for it. And then he gets fired. So I'm like, okay, so he had these crazy cool ideas, and they were like, you can't do it. So although Sam Raimi's a really cool name, and he comes from Evil Dead, and he comes from Super or Spider-Man movies, so it's like it makes perfect sense, but it just gets me nervous to why did they get rid of him in the first place? Was the story too unique and cool? Yeah, I don't yeah. think that... I mean, I don't think that they would have hired Sam Raimi if if they weren't willing to let him be Sam Raimi on it. You that, know? Yeah, but then why That's, have the Scott Disluck, you know? Because true. I because I fucking hated Doctor Strange 1. I'm glad that Scott I don't, Derrickson it isn't a, doing it. They made a lot of money. And it's got the cool sequences. So it had to be yeah. like a great it, it looked very cool, but to me, yeah. I was like, this is just another origin story. I'd never I never even watched know. it. 
I'm it's, totally oh, you should real. watch it. You should it's watch like it. It's like one of the two I haven't seen in the, the MCU. The visual effects are very cool, but it's it's very like he's they just kind of play him off like he's another Tony Stark-ish character. Yeah, it's got much. a really cool climax though. Like a really, really fun climax. Uh, also. Okay. I guess just watch it for the climax then. Uh <laughs> yeah, <that's true>. <laughs> Jake <laughs> really wants you to watch it for the climax. I'm so trying not to make a terrible joke. Yeah, I know, I right? Know. Well, I, I usually watch other video other movies for just the climax. So I uh, guess if I'm gonna is. watch a movie, I'll watch the whole thing. We talk about Disney on this show, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the the Disney family sing along. That's uh, viral. That, like yeah. you said, that's like another one of those things where that guy in charge of at home programming is killing it. Like, what a great idea. Get a yeah. bunch of famous singers to sing people's favorite Disney songs. Ariana Grande did the Hercules one that Meg sings. I don't remember what it's called. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be in love or something. And it was huge. Twitter blew up. What mm-hmm. a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I didn't watch it, but it definitely looked cute. What I wanted to bring up along those lines was the like Olaf. Uh, I think it was called Olaf at Home, literally frozen at yeah. home. I, I know Spencer didn't see it, but they're just really cute. Yes. Apparently, it came straight from Josh Gad, like an idea from him. He just he literally must just record like a minute of him being Olaf on his phone, sends it to the Disney animation people, and then they animate like a one minute short at home. Really cute and fun idea. And then they Man, put it dude. on... <laughs> Josh Gad must have, like, an amazing recorder on his phone. <laughs> okay, fine. But uh, I, do, I, I think it's cute. And then on top of it, they don't even put it on Disney+. Plus. It's on YouTube. So it's, like, ultra-free. Yeah. which and is just on Instagram. Right. So it's... Um, yeah. I just thought that's, like, a very sweet... Nobody expected anybody involved to do anything like that. So that was just, like, a really cute thing. Disney yeah. works Disney works so hard to make sure that Josh Gad is like beloved. They're like, oh, <laughs> this was his idea. And then remember when we were at Disney World on the bus, it was like they were like he was like promoting uh Beauty and the Beast and promoting Frozen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was he, like Dude, they're like, Josh, loves Gad them. Yeah. Josh Gad. They're like, you're gonna be in- you're gonna be beloved as long as you're corporate. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be in Artemis Fowl too. Is he in Art of a Oh, God, is he? Well, I don't know anything about that movie, but it did get moved to Disney Plus June yeah. 12th, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that a bit last week. He's now I need actor. to check out Art of a My boy Josh Gad's in it. Yeah. I'll just watch the Josh Gad scenes. They'll scrub <laughs> through. I'll just get a Josh Gad super cut and get yeah. it on YouTube and watch that. Every Josh Gad scene from every Disney movie he's ever been in. Wow. That video Josh Gad like has now become a Disney long. deconstructed meme. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I watched uh, that Hulu uh, zombie movie. Um, was it Little Nightmares or Little Mon- Little Monsters, I think it's called. Little Women. No, no not that one. I, I think it's called Little Monsters. Um, but Josh Gad is in it uh, as like a sort of I think Mr. Rogers-ish type character. And he like curses and stuff at, at one oh. point. It's like very interesting to hear him curse. Yeah, that's weird. It's like watching yeah. that Josh Pack name of him screaming yeah. the kids on the boat. When he was yeah. in Mean Creek. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I found that on YouTube when I was like 10 and it scarred me. I was like, what? I know a little bit. Josh weird. Pack, no. I know. <laughs> All right. I think that we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more news and debates and more Preston Moore. We'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you for rejoining us. 
we are gonna do some debates because <laughs> uh, apparently that's what jake wants to do <laughs> uh, we'll see <laughs> all right uh i guess jake take it away i don't <laughs> i'll take it away uh i could not agree more with preston about his take with frozen 2 i don't think it's any good i did not think it was a step up from the last movie and honestly i couldn't agree more spencer what do you say to that conversational <laughs> judo Dude, why did you just do that? Because it's a take of his, and I agree. So let's go. You do not agree. You like Frozen 2. That's false. I said I didn't like it on the first time around. I heard you talk about it. I said, you know what? It's probably good. I should watch it again, and I never did. So. Frozen 2 is fantastic. All right. Preston? I've talked about at length on the show how much I love Frozen 2. I know what his take is, and you just set this up. <laughs> I'm ready for the slam down. I don't like Frozen 2 at all. <laughs> I, I really don't. And I rewatched it a few nights ago, so like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fresh on this. Uh, <laughs> because I wanted to put on something that has good music, but I don't have to pay attention to the story. Oh. Um, <laughs> because the story's not good. Oh. I agree. I, I just, you know, I've seen the arguments for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm always like, I'm very much on the side of, you know, if you like a movie, that's great. And I'm glad you like it. And I wish I did, you know, like, I'm not trying to be like, that sucks. And you're an idiot for liking it. Like, I'm not like that, but, um, I don't understand the appeal for it. The music is great. Like most of it, um, <laughs> into the unknown. That's a bop. Show yourself. That's a bop. I love those two songs so much. Um, and a couple of the other ones are pretty good too. Um, but the story itself just gets so convoluted for me in the that third act and the whole um you know the um the idea that like elsa is trying to to find herself and she needs to that she ended up being the fifth um yeah I don't remember what I want to exactly to because it's it, because, yeah exactly you see you said it exactly it, right it's just like, like <laughs> it doesn't at all make sense to me it makes sense but it also at the same time I'm when I'm listening to it I'm like what is going on when you like, look at the a, first movie I think it's a much more complex plot in the second than the first I will say that and I you know you can make a case that that's to its benefit, but I don't think it is. Because in the first one, it's very laid out. I mean, like, pretty simple plot. You know, Elsa goes off. She's got these powers. She's bad. She thinks she's bad. And then all of a sudden, she's good. And then, you know, the plot twist with Hans and all that stuff, you know. Like, it's a very um, pretty simple plot. And then in Frozen 2, it's like, it... it it throws away a lot of the things that Frozen 1 um, did, like a lot of the the ideas of being like just a simple plot, like simple thing. It makes it super complex. And then the one thing, and I'm going to let you talk, but the one thing that I hate <laughs> so much is there, I mean, there are a couple things that I hate so much, but one of my least favorite moments of any movie last year was when Elsa is, like, going through and she's seeing all her memories and, like, I don't know, snow, ice, fog, whatever it is. Um, and she sees herself singing Let It Go. And she's like, oh, God, that sucks. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, like, I, like, I get, like, that's a play on, like, you know, like. That's a funny. You know, it, Let It Go became, like, you know, everybody hates it because 
so popular and overplayed. I get it, it was overplayed, but it was overplayed because it was freaking good. Um, and for her to just like, like be like, I don't know, like appalled by that moment. When you look at her as a character, like that was a massive moment for her. That was the moment for her. That's her defining moment as a character. And then then she's just like, oh, like that was so cheap and for laughs clearly. And I hated it. Oh, it disgusted me. Anyways, I'm done. Wow. All right. I also thought that was cringy. (laughs) It was the worst. So here's the polar opposite of that opinion about it, um, (laughs) about how it's different from the, so I've made this point. um, And Jake actually agrees with me on this, that frozen two is a movie that grew up with its audience. So Frozen 1 is a very, like you said, straightforward, almost like a fairy tale. It's like a fairy tale that has like some subverted, subverting of your expectations comedy in there too. Um, about like how Anna's kind of like a stereotype princess and they kind of make fun of her the whole movie a little bit. And that, that's fun. It's kind of like a new age fairy tale that kind of pokes fun at those older things. Frozen 2 is like a grow, like a movie that developed from that and they just expand this world and basically like break open all of these cool like Nordic mythology and stuff. And to me, like, I thought that stuff was amazing. Like all the spirit things. I thought it was so, it was just so different than what I thought it was going to be that to me it was awesome. And it wasn't your typical sequel. So I get also that it feels like so much more complicated than Frozen 1. It definitely is. Like that's a valid take. But I think that's purposefully done because it's, it grew up with the people who initially loved Frozen 1. Like the younger people Frozen 1 are now at an age where maybe they're, more interested because frozen 2 is essentially like a fantasy film it's not really a disney princess movie it's like, like a fantasy an anime epic almost. yeah it's like an animated like fantasy epic and so i think it it is a natural evolution there where they're just i thought like everything you said as the flip was why it was great it was so different i love that as far mm-hmm. as elsa cringing at herself i think that it kind of plays into like the growing up aspect where she's kind of looking back at like just like something she did in her i know i see your face she's looking back at something she did in her past and it's kind of like cringing at it even though like it's a defining moment for her i think frozen 2 is also about finding yourself even more like what's her purpose why it's about answering a lot of these higher questions in frozen 1 that necessarily frozen 1 didn't have to answer like why does elsa have powers like what happened to their parents like these things that like a fairy tale would just kind of accept that they happen Frozen 2 decides to like dive into that mythology and get to like the point of why things are the way that they are. And to me, that's awesome. But also like hearing you talk, I'm like, okay, well, I get it. Cause it's just like, we watched the same thing and just had two like polar reactions to like what yeah. was going on. So it's not mm-hmm. like, you're just like, no, it's stupid. Like you yeah. have interesting an interesting take there. Um, versus think, some people who just hate it because they hate on Frozen. I'm like, get out of here, man. Like, it's yeah, no, a great franchise. A, that, yeah, no, I don't want to listen to that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think another part of it for me that I didn't like that I wish I would, there are a couple things. Both Olaf and Kristoff are just like reduced to the most either um, confusing and like not making sense arc or... Did they disappear... Uh, they just yeah, I mean, disappear into the background. Kristoff's whole bit of like wanting to propose but never being able to find the right time, like that's so overdone and overplayed, and like it's very cliche. And they don't do anything interesting with it. And it, the exact thing that you think is going to happen happens. At the end of the day, he proposes. She says, "Yes, we're happy," you know. And they go through a couple gaps where he tries to propose and it's not her. And mm. that makes for you know some funny jokes. But at the end of the day, it's like this is this has been done so many times. Like. Mm. 
really come on. Um, made, made for a dope Weezer song. The song was dope. I like it. <laughs> that's I that's, that's what I'll concede. I love music with you but, that that point that they are in the background but i think their two songs make up for it like um mm-hmm. when i get older with olaf is hilarious just like a song about having anxiety and just like thinking everything's gonna be fine and then it's never fine and it never mm-hmm. just when you're younger you know that moment in time we think adults have yeah. it figured out and then you become an adult and realize nobody has it figured out i just thought it was hilarious so i think yes they are in the background but they're two like power songs especially lost in the woods like that's probably the best song in the movie comedy wise like it's hilarious with this reindeer like 80s number but i was very put off by it when i first saw it really i was very put off too i was i I was like whoa like the song but i at the end i was with my girlfriend i looked over and i was like what (laughs) i was like this is not frozen anymore what the heck it was very uh i felt like it was out of place but really funny and a good song i enjoyed it and then the whole thing with olaf like i think the song is cute but i think that the idea and josh gad said it was his own idea and you know josh gad um, <laughs> <laughs> josh gad whatever creative genius we all get it yeah, um, <laughs> world sweetheart <laughs> i like josh gad and i like <laughs> a lot um like i loved him in the first one and i i like him in this one but i think the whole idea of him like struggling with getting older and age like i think i don't want to downplay it because he's a snowman <laughs> but, but part of it is just like, like i don't I think just, any human has ever said that i like that i don't want to downplay it because he's a snowman i probably like it more if he was a human kid who was like growing up instead he's like he's, he's a fantastical snowman it, it doesn't it doesn't it's hit a me stretch it doesn't hit me the way i want it to and i like he doesn't seem to be you know, I mean, he says things, you know, there's a moment where he's like, I'm kind of feeling some rising anger at Elsa. And like, yeah. That's <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he's, also, but he's like, he's Olaf. He's like, a, he's a snow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it didn't work for me. And I, th- yeah. I, th- I think, I don't know if that's, be- I don't want to say it's because he's a snowman, because I think that would be close-minded of me, I guess. Elsa <laughs> <laughs> more hates snowmen. <laughs> I'm gonna get <laughs> but it just uh, it didn't work for me i wanted it to but it didn't just jumping off of that because here's the thing this here's the breaking point between you two is that we're up with the audience and preston is on the page of why did they do that it didn't work they made weird decisions spencer's like it's cool because we got to explore our worlds which is by the way objectively cool um the disconnect with me was that there's something to be said about growing up with the audience and making a kid's movie. And then we forget Frozen 1 came out like eight years ago. So like the, like the six-year-old, seven-year-old girls which saw it are like now in high school. So like it is properly, you're not high school. I don't know. Exactly. But it is ready to like be a more, not mature, because it's still like a rated G or PG, you know, family movie. But there's something to be said about exploring and just like diving into deeper themes. But ju- and even the decisions they made were some of them were objectively cool. If you're like, if you're going to tell me, and this is the exact one, if you're going to tell me, we're going to make a scene with these giant rock monsters and they're going to be giants. chasing them down the earth giants and it's going to be taking from like the Nordic lore and da da da. But I'm just watching it and I'm like, dude, I just feel like they're planning for a ride. It just looks like a ride. And the scene didn't even fit in with the movie. And there's so many moments like that to me that's just like the logic didn't connect. Like at the climax of the movie when all the water's rushing down and she needs to like build the wall to save the town. 
where'd the water go? It would just come right back around because there's nowhere for it to go. Like the physics didn't make sense. To okay, me. if we're gonna go into and physics then, of an and then I was movie. like, and then I was like, why? What was the decision to make it an '80s pop song? It just like didn't make sense to me. Like a million and it's other him just like singing his heart out about how he right, loves but I just thought. The first movie didn't have moments that pulled me out. No, and this, 100%. the exact same thing happened with Captain Marvel. I mean, the movies couldn't be more different. But smack in the middle of the movie, they tell me the bad guys are the good guys and the good guys are the bad guys. And by the way, the Tesseract is here. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm so I am so confused that what you just told me in 30 seconds, the movie just sucks. And I can't. I can, you're not going to be able to make it up. Could be. It could be the coolest ending of all time. But I am so confused that there's no turning back. I will say I agree with that. That Frozen, this is one of my criticisms in my like review of Frozen 2, was that the beginning, like everything happened so quickly and like 25, 20, 25 minutes in, like they have just hit you with so much information that you're kind of just like, ah. For me, like that was necessary and then the payoff was worth that. But I also understand if it's just like, what is going on? Like this is the first Frozen is a fairy tale and this is like, this weird exactly. like boom, mythology boom, boom, movie boom, 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 exactly boom, boom. Like, know all of these things yeah mm, i i think this is like what basically what my take is that it's disney's how to train your dragon but they went from like a fun kids movie to try and to, to do this like mature not mature but like more teen young adult take which right. is like mythology and just like more mature themes but mm-hmm. i also that that's a movie that I can understand the criticism for it definitely because it's it's just a different reaction to like the same thing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so it just hit with one person and then the one I'm we'll just remember the movie for that uh that like water chase scene it just like it <laughs> yeah. felt so clearly like they were just setting up a ride and like it didn't it never came back oh, I guess the rock monsters came back but it was just, I don't know that scene just really rubbed me in a place that I didn't want it to. I said, I, uh, um, I, I'll be honest. I don't feel like it did grow with the audience. Uh, oh, I feel like it's, <laughs> uh, I feel like it's like a crime to compare it to How to Train Your Dragon. Whoa, because uh, because <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon is like be- my beloved uh, animated uh, franchise. With you. So don't you dare do that. Uh, <laughs> But, um, like, I don't know. It's, it still felt young and, and dumb and silly. Like, I don't, and like, if you're trying to grow with the audience, like how, how to train your dragon did or how toy story did, you have to bring a certain level of maturity to it. And the, there are moments like that in in frozen too, but they kind of get for, for the joke lost in the woods. Um, with moments like Lost in the Woods, you know? It's like mm. they, they try to play off the laughs too many times and and it it makes it suffer. And so like I didn't really feel like it was more adult than the first one at all. And I don't know. I mean, like I have a lot of the same critiques that Preston and Jake do, but I mean, I'm not like the biggest Frozen fan. I've said that on the show multiple times. Um, I, I thought that Frozen 2 was fine. I thought that uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that um, a lot of things... I thought that the that the storyline got unnecessarily complex. Um, like, I didn't understand, like... 
I thought that it was stupid that they k- killed Olaf in quotes. Um, because oh, well, everybody ev- saw that. Ev- <laughs> everyone knew that he was going to come back. You're not going to kill Olaf. And then, um, <laughs> like, even you know, though he even is the snowman, after yeah, <laughs> even the five year old in front of me knew that he was going to come back. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then you like had Elsa like freeze, but then send this like message across the ocean to Anna, and then they just never explained that. And it was just weird. And then they had like, and then they had the whole thing with. Like I, I kind of I liked Elsa's storyline, her arc in in Frozen Two. I thought that it was good. I didn't really get some of like the other characters, like like uh, Jesus. What's his name? Kristoff. Kristoff. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> dude. He wasn't in the movie enough. Kristoff. Uh, Kristoff straight up just disappears in this movie. Um, and then Olaf yeah, is just kind bad. of. Olaf's just following people around being funny. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's fine, uh, but whatever. And uh, Anna, she's like, I I liked her for the most part. What the main thing that bothered me about her arc was that she's like, yes, I'll, I'll be queen of Arendelle at the end. And there was like never a conversation that happened where she like expressed a want to be queen or a desire for leadership or anything like that. Um, like really all her only drives were to find her sister. Um, and you know, her relationship with Kristoff, those were like, from what I remember, I haven't rewatched it, but I remember those being like her two drives in the movie. And I don't remember anything about leadership, but they just kind of threw it in there because there was like, this will be convenient. Um, and well, Hans will be good because now we need, uh, we can make new dolls that give Anna the crown. Right. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a nice little merch. That's thing. how I felt about the movie. That's how yeah. I felt about the movie. Um, right so that was like wow. a lot. I felt like there were like some, I felt like there were some like com- unnecessarily complex and oddly like convenient things in the story, like, uh, like that. Um, so yeah, and I and I really didn't feel like it it um, aged with the audience. Definitely not to the extent that, say, Toy Story or How to Train Your Dragon does. Mm. Where's the thing? We can agree, agree to disagree. disagree, but the critical reception I think was way on uh, Spencer's side. So you got the dub there. Anyways, we uh, I want to go through two things really quickly. We don't even need to really discuss it. I just need people to know because it's like so <laughs> insane. And then we can talk about like the last <laughs> So first things first, Preston Moore has like a top, his five-star ranking movies on Letterboxd and a movie, which we actually just talked about really recently, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is on this list. And movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey aren't. And movies like Citizen Kane, like in a world where like movies exist, where fav- my favorite one is the one that's not even like the best in the trilogy. So that's fine. Second of all, I just need, need to be put out there. Uh, the thing that you do with The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I mean, I have to imagine oh, it's a joke. Oh, God. I just literally have to imagine it's a joke because I, I can't even remember one redeeming quality about it. I mean, we retweeted something like, it's so sad that this suit is sitting in a closet somewhere. Like, it looks like a Lego. So it's not even like a cool suit. So, okay, I, disagree. I don't know what's going on. Awesome. Okay. The suit is cool. I think the suit is really good. That's really false. That's well, really I mean, false. 
add a disclaimer for that letterbox. That <laughs> okay, fine. Include, um, as I explained to Jake before the show, that list is not a comprehensive, my best films of all time. <laughs> okay, but is, that's, that is the way it looks. Since I got Letterbox, I have ranked these movies as five stars. And I think that... Right, but so have you not seen the other Pirates of the Caribbeans? I have, and I I like all of them. Except, well, well, I like... But we chose the the objectively weirdest one to be on the list, but not the ones that are, like, just good because they're good. I think At World's End is good because it's good. I don't know if At World's End is objectively the weirdest one. (laughs) I do. When there's 15 Jack Sparrows in the At World's End is so good. It's fine, but I think it has World to be the weirdest fun. one. Has now, to be. Uh, well, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is not a Disney movie, so I'm not going to stay on it for too long. I'm not joking. I genuinely think it is, you know, it has its flaws. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece by any means. Well, hold on. Here, I'll just ask you actually before you go. Have you seen it? <laughs> yes because if you saw it i mean i I think maybe maybe we saw a different movie that might have been it maybe i saw the original spider-man 2 no i remember that one amazing spider-man 2 starring andrew garfield no that yeah because there was like a scene with eels in it so that automatically just made it like no that's you off no eels (laughs) no eels for jake no eels Eels, no go. <laughs> Jake doesn't like eels on oh, yeah. set. I like eels, uh, eel sauce. That's good. <laughs> All right. I think amazing. I, I like amazing, amazing Spider-Man too, quite a lot. Um, what was your favorite part of it? Right. Yeah, part? Exactly. Yeah. There is a scene where, well, first of all, the ending when he walks up to the little kid who's dressed up as Spider-Man. I love. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That Dude, the ending is him about to fight uh, Rhino. 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 I'm just saying, I didn't, when I re, because I rewatched all the Spider Man movies in preparation for Spider Man Far From Home. I didn't expect to like Amazing Spider Man 2 because I hadn't seen it since I was, you know, however, you know, 14, 15, I don't know, whenever it came yeah. out. Um, and, you know, I remember like liking it when I was then because I was, you know, I didn't, I liked every movie then. But, right you know, rewatching it, I was like, okay, this is like the worst one. I'm not going to like it. Nobody likes it. And then I watched it and I was like, what the heck? I really like this. So I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, if you haven't seen it lately, give it a rewatch. And then if you still have the same opinion, that's completely fine. But I think there are a lot more redeeming moments than people on Twitter and on the internet and wherever give it credit for. There are so many just quintessential Spider-Man moments where he's just being a superhero, like a good guy to random bystanders. And I absolutely love it. And I don't, you know, I'm not one, I'm not going to start with Far From Home, but I don't think Far From Home has that many. Um, Yes, Lane hates it. Yes, yes. (laughs) Far From Home let me down, but... Far From Home sucks. I... I like that moment in Amazing Spider-Man 2 at the very end where he returns after whatever, seven, eight months of not being Spider-Man. Um... And then I also really like the Times Square scene where Electro is oh confused and doesn't know what's going on. And there's this awesome moment where um, Electro like fires electricity and it goes up the rails of those red stairs in Times Square. And there's a bunch of civilians on there and they're like reaching for the rails trying to get it. And Spider-Man in epic slow-mo does this cool little thing where he just presses one button on his wrist and it like shoots out and it 
essentially all of his webs just grab everyone who was about to grab on the rails and get electrocuted and die. And it stops him. And I think that's cool. And I think there are many other moments in that movie that are cool. But I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't mention that there are moments where it sucks. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I would be remiss that. if I didn't say that you were just wrong. But that's fine. Oh because I think the one that we need to talk about, like, actually, to the point where, like, I think freedom of speech needs to be brought in because I don't understand how this, like, is continually a thing for years now. So now, this The Last Jedi is your favorite Star Wars of all time? Yeah. Oh, like... You know, like that, that basically, basically all I can do when I see you tweeting about that and like making it as I just go like this. I, I believe that. <laughs> my, you know, in your, in your defense, my views on The Last Jedi have changed. So I, much, so much. No, 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 no. I never, By the way. I always thought it was good. Okay. I always thought it was good. Okay. I, I guess I'm with you because I, 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 I was good, actually, I, I, there were moments that I disliked at the beginning that I've come around to um, liking them a lot more. I'm but, actually, I mean, what were, what are those moments? Cause I'm actually interested. Cause I'm, I'm like a huge last Jedi fan. So I'm so, interested in what those moments are for you. I did not like, and basically what everyone doesn't like is the whole Finn and Rose and DJ. Yeah, immediate disqualifier for best star Wars movie. What? The Canto Bite is the immediate disqualification as the best Star Wars Agreed. Agreed. I came around on that, but, you know, <laughs> the one thing that I still, you know, I don't love, but I think the rest, I think it has so many redeeming aspects in the rest of the movie that I can put it aside, is the idea of, um, or not the idea, it's not an idea, is uh, John Boyega and, what's her name, Kelly Marie Tran, their chemistry is not good um yeah like they work together and the kiss that she gives him oh like that at all (laughs) still don't but i think there are so many other qualities of that movie and so many other scenes and arcs that redeem any issues i have with that because they're not massive issues it's just like oh that kiss was weird but okay you know like it doesn't ruin anything for me and to yeah. your credit, there's there's quite literally kisses in the original trilogy that are weird and don't make any sense because they're brother and sister. So that's fine. But in the context of when you were like, well, the arcs and everything, in the context of the whole sequel trilogy, which by the way, I'm not too keen on after Rise of Skywalker. You too. But it doesn't change the fact that The Last Jedi just like quite literally doesn't make any sense in it all. Wow. It like, literally doesn't make any sense. I think every, the last every cool moment in the Last Jedi ended up getting erased. Yeah, that's because, I mean, that's not the Last Jedi's fault, right? I guess. I mean, but in the, but in the, if you look at the grand context context of like all of dude. the sequel trilogy, it's a mess because yes. JJ came in with the Rise of Skywalker, and, and I don't even know what happened with the whole Colin Trevorrow thing, whatever. But you know, he came in and. You, the Rise of Skywalker watches as if it's a movie that wants to be a sequel to The Force Awakens, but has to deal mm-hmm. with the fact that The Last Jedi exists. 100%. Um, but I don't think that I'm going to take away from The Last Jedi because of that. I think The Last Jedi builds on a lot of the things that The Force Awakens sets up pretty well. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I think it has, I enjoy that it has a definitive ending, The Last Jedi. I mean, you can watch The Last Jedi and watch it to where the ending of that movie is like, okay, you know, I'm okay with that being the ending. I can pretend Rise of Skywalker doesn't exist, but That's you know, not true. I, I wouldn't, you know, discredit The Last Jedi for things that The Rise of Skywalker did because The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys like it, but that movie, I love it. Okay, well, I, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> I, I want it. You've cultivated that response really well. <laughs> I just, I, I think that that movie is a, is, is a mess. And I think it, it takes a lot of the things that The Last Jedi did and undoes them or just kind of tweaks them, them and just throws them out the window, essentially. Right. Well, there's a difference between it being your favorite of the sequels or your favorite moment that Ray has or whatever versus my favorite Star Wars movie ever. It is. Because every cool moment in The Last Jedi, whether you agree with it, if you're a crazy fan or not, just doesn't end up working in Star Wars. So how can it be your favorite Star Wars if it just objectively doesn't really work? I don't think that that's like the... What do you mean it doesn't work? It's a very broad. Like you can watch the you can watch Star Wars, uh, whatever, A New Hope, and like there's no like thought pieces that just like don't make it click like chronologically or narratively. Like it just is a movie that works on its own and works within the franchise. Last Jedi just objectively doesn't, and then on top of that has Canto Bite and and the Kiss and just a million different other things. But that's not the Last Jedi's fault. That's what he's saying is you can't blame it right. for Rise of Skywalker. You know, I I don't think that you know I think you can watch the Last Jedi by itself, and it's in it. I don't remember your exact words, but I think it does fit that description of you can watch it by itself and it's good, and you have a story alone that you can you can like. I think that. You know, there are things that it does that in the eventual um, grander Star Wars canon get undone or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, different, you know, Snoke's a clone. Rise whatever. of Skywalker. Like that. <laughs> they got Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> nah, dude, you don't get a snow. Dude, yeah. Palpatine fucks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't take away from The Last Jedi because of those things. I think I can still watch The Last Jedi and... You know, it sucks that in the back of my mind now I'm like, well, Snoke was a clone the whole time. But if I'm watching The Last Jedi under the impression that is clearly the truth that the people making The Last Jedi had no yeah. idea what to do with Episode Nine, um, then I can assume that at that time, Snoke isn't a clone. Even though he is, when I'm watching it, I can kind of think in my head, I can be like, well... You know, it's very clear that they didn't know when they were making Last Jedi that Snoke was just going to be a throwaway clone and all of these other things that they do with the Rise of Skywalker. So it's just all of those things make me not like the movie. Like, there's, I mean, it's just like the same thing with Frozen. I, like, just get confused and there's just, like, a thought, like, I just disconnect from the thing that they're trying to tell me. So then I it will, just ends up at feeling weird. I'll say that for me, like, picking my favorite star wars movie which for me is empire like i i will say that like for me it's not like which one connects to everything the best it's the one that like i just enjoy watching on its own yeah well then that's like, that's different but... like that and i think that i don't know if i'm interpreting 
precedent if i'm interpreting what you're saying right it's it's the same thing for you i i love watching the last jedi um on its own and mm-hmm. i yeah i've seen it probably like eight or nine times um actually i i mean i don't know what my i think that rise of skywalker is probably up there with my favorites because i really did enjoy it it's a mess but it's a hot mess i'll say that <laughs> uh, um and uh but i think the empire at least for now without giving thought to it is still probably my favorite um because it's the one that I think I've I've watched I enjoy the most watching on its own. It's like I don't need to watch it all the way through. I don't need to I don't feel like I'm suffering through it like Attack of the Clones which is ungodly long. Yeah, uh, but you know that's I feel like that's uh, the way to to think about your favorite Star Wars movie. As someone who doesn't like The Last Jedi necessarily, my opinion wavers on it a lot. I do agree with you, Preston, that it's upon rewatches, it always gets better. I've never rewatched it again and like had that same initial reaction I had to it, which was like, what the f- did I just watch? Yeah. Um, every time I rewatch it, I'm like, well, the Luke stuff is really strong, or the Ray Kylo Ren stuff is like really strong. It's always like stronger than the Canto Bite. Mm-hmm. I just have such a weird relationship with Last Jedi, but I agree. Upon rewatches, it always the the good always becomes more apparent. Yeah, I agree because it's made by such a good like Ryan Johnson is objectively a good filmmaker. Yeah, and like there's Dave just moments out. in there oh that you God. can't take that away from him where he's just so talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Last Jedi is weird, man. What a <laughs> weird movie to discuss. Yeah. Really weird. I just wish. I mean, why couldn't they have just put one single shot? in uh rise of skywalker of the little kid with the broom in one single shot of I, oh my god i would have hated that yeah i would have fucking well, hated that the, 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 the broom is just a metaphor for there's good left in the galaxy the yeah right. will never so let's die. see the That's good all it is it's a no. oh my god see the good at rise of skywalker when literally everyone ever shows up at the end to help them that's all broom yeah. is that there's hope out there it's just Pre- a visual metaphor preston did John you want to see broom kid boy. again Broom kid. I don't think to see Broom kid again. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's move on. Picks of the week. Uh, so my pick of the week to start off is echoing what we were talking about last week. I have been rewatching Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I I uh, finished Dead Man's Chest last night. God, it's so good. I haven't seen it in so long. Um, what shocked me was for the next one. Yeah, I know. Wait for a world's end. Oh my god. Uh but holy shit, the special effects yeah. on yeah. the yes. crew of the Dutchman and especially on Davy Jones hold up so well. Mm-hmm. Like it came out like the same time as Revenge of the Sith and there's right. CGI and Revenge of the Sith that is abysmal. Oh my god, like like the special effects on Davy Jones's face when he's introduced and he's got like the the light of his pipe on him and yeah. he puffs his smoke and it comes out of his little like tentacle hole, whatever mm. it's called. It's amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's just incredible to watch and it still looks crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that. I, I love that. Um, I can't wait to watch the next, the next one, especially at world's end. And then I'll also watch, uh, I'll also rewatch on stranger tides and dead men tell no tales. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm especially excited for at world's end. Uh, 
And then because that's really just echoing what we were talking about for Picks of the Week <laughs> last week, um, I'll also uh, do something else. I uh, This isn't exactly Disney, but Justin Scard did a magnificent, mm. um, I think it's 40-minute documentary on YouTube on the 100th anniversary looking back at the history of Knott's Berry Farm. So I watched that and it was awesome. Um, lots I really of, need to watch that. yeah, it's, it's crazy. Lots of historical footage, lots of um, old photos, really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah. So he did an amazing job on that. Um, you should definitely check it out if you are a fan of um, Disney or Knott's Berry Farm or theme parks in general. So that's my, uh, those are my picks of the week. I see that uh okay i'll go quick because mine is extremely half-baked other than <laughs> adding on on the uh the how cool the effects are i spent like a solid 15 minutes while i was supposed to be on a zoom class scrolling through like concept art for all the crew it's so cool i mean they really cared about all those movies but i mean that one yeah like you were saying completely not only holds up but looks great for today's standards yeah um so yeah, anyways, last night I watched, started watching, that's why I said Half-Baked, for the first time ever, somehow, uh, X-Men. I never saw any of the X-Men other than Deadpool and Deadpool 2, obviously, which doesn't necessarily count. So I'm, I like it way more than I thought I would. I, I, the conversation around those older X-Men movies were always the, like, uh, oh, it's a... Uh, it's like such an early superhero movie that they tried to take all the superhero out and it's really monochrome and like taken seriously. That's what made Spider-Man so cool because it embraced the comics. I didn't find that necessarily at all. Uh, It was really fun. I didn't realize how much Holocaust was going to be in it, but besides that, it was uh, really cool. And I'm really looking forward to finishing it and watching the rest and then watching, uh, like first class when they go yeah. back with Matthew Vaughn. That sounds really fun. I've, I've heard that one's really good. Yeah. Oh, that's what I, I hear. Nice. Uh, you know, and I, X-Men's going to be in the MCU eventually. So I, I would like to see these. I've also always wanted to see Logan, but I'm not just going to watch that yeah. without any context. You need to so, watch that when you're ready to have like an emotional experience. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, just like I started watching or I saw Lord of the Rings like i i just like opened up such a world of things that i just never saw so i'm looking forward to it and we'll talk about it once i get through them because it'll be fun to talk about how to fit it in mcu that's cool i think like i've definitely seen both the deadpool movies i saw um i've seen x-men origins wolverine how (laughs) which is you know iffy yeah uh and then i've seen part of the wolverine um there's just i don't even know all the movies like and there's then, so many things. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I've seen Logan. So I've seen like most of the Wolverine. Um yeah. the the Wolverine ones. I just haven't seen all of the Wolverine. Um and then I think I've seen part of First Class. Uh and maybe part of some of the earlier ones, but those are spotty. I haven't seen them all the mm-hmm. way through. But they're, um they're on HBO or most of them are. Oh, on HBO. okay. Yeah, is one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. I first love class. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It looks really oh. colorful and saturated and yeah. cool. It's really fun, and the new cast is great. And most people love Days of Future Past. Most people regard that as like the best X Men team movie. 
but mm. first class was the best but i like both of them mm. yeah i uh, i personally logan is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time oh, yeah i'm so excited to watch that it's definitely in the conversation that's for sure yeah um, <laughs> my picks of the week uh i have one disney one and then one that's on netflix but i think is a must watch that you just have to see um, the fact that no one talks about it blows my mind. But for Disney, um, my girlfriend Elaine and I started watching Disney fairy tale weddings the other day. On Disney oh Plus. yeah, I'm not gonna watch. lie, man. Like it's entertaining. <laughs> it's it's like very heartwarming to like see. Sometimes it's creepy um, yeah, where these yeah. people are like so obsessed. Like you need to relax, dude. Um, oh my god. Um, but there are moments on it that are so genuinely cute, and there's such great footage of like the parks and the different resorts that you never get to see. Like Aulani, there's a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. on that. Like Castaway Key or K, whatever it's called. I don't Key, know. Castaway Key. But um, I think that that's very again in my series of recommendations. It makes me nostalgic for Disney and Disneyland, yeah, for and sure. I just miss not even going to the parks, but just knowing I can go to the parks. I miss that. I um, just I I started watching the first episode, and I I was just the whole time I was just wondering how much money all those people had. I don't yeah. know if they if ABC pays for it because they're featured on the show. I have no idea. Um, yeah. But there's that. And then on Netflix, there is an animated series based on Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham called Green Eggs and Ham. And I'm not kidding. It's one of the best animated series I've ever seen. It's Whoa. so good. It looked really good. The it trailer is, looked incredible. The animation looked great. It is 2D animated. It's brilliant. Oh, wow. There's great characters. It's a 13-episode like miniseries that tells like a story that's like environmentally relevant. And like just it's mm. so smart. It's so well written. It's like kid friendly, but it's also just like really good animation. I started an episode on Easter because that's eggs in it, and I wanted to feel some sort of emotion because I was alone on Easter. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned on Green Eggs and Ham, and I watched the whole series in one sitting. I was like, "This wow. is it's on Netflix." Yes, on again, going back to Netflix being strong. Yeah. yeah, Green Eggs and Ham on Netflix. Must Dude, their their animation department has really been upping their mm-hmm. game it was wb animation and then like dr seuss's company put it together i guess dr seuss's stuff don't is like um public domain so yeah. illumination makes a lot of those movies because they can and they're lazy um yeah. <laughs> but wb animation made the best dr seuss adaptation i've ever seen which is great that's cool so I'll, it's not I'll even really based on the story that. it's just oh it's so good it's so mm. good yeah mm. preston do you have any disney plus anything you'd recommend people to watch well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I might name stuff that you guys have said in the past, and if I do, I'm sorry. Um, in this quarantine thing, I watched all of Star Wars Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. And if you haven't seen those and you're a Star Wars fan and you put it off for years like I did, um, you're missing out a lot mm-hmm. because those are so good and the Clone Wars is heating up quite a lot. Um, and I've really been enjoying that. Um, and now is the perfect time to do it. Um, I also recently watched Togo, the Disney Plus movie with Will. Oh Disney. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like super quiet, and I never saw Call of the Wind or Call of the Wild with Harrison mm-hmm. Ford. Um, but it's surprising to me that that movie, which was received poorly at least, was put out in the theaters, and Togo wasn't because Togo was very, very good. It was beautiful. Really, cinematography mm-hmm. and that next level um it's really? based on the story and willem defoe is great i really liked it um and then i don't know do i have anything else 
probably not. No, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm bummed you said that about Clone Wars. I've tried so many times to watch it. I never get, I have not gotten past season one. I like the idea of they put out like a collection, like the 20 essential episodes. Yeah. And everything I see out of the episodes that are coming out now looks so cool. I really liked Rebels. I saw like the first two and a half, maybe even three seasons. Really, really liked that. It's just, I don't know if it's just like too serialized because it was like properly a kid's show when it started or what. But mm -hmm. I know that it's good. I just like can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I was like that in my life. I understand. Mm -hmm. But I, I love Clone Wars. I, I got hooked on it pretty quickly and i the, the episodes are like super wonky and like the timeline so i had to like look up like the star wars.com yeah. like timeline of yeah it's bizarre the way it's structured like right. episodically they'll have like arcs that take breaks and then come back it's just weird <laughs> yeah it's odd um i i've been like trying to get through i'm near the end of the first season and the first season's just plain hard to get through it is for, unfortunately there's just a lot of Jar Jar. A lot. And, <laughs> and Ahsoka hasn't, like, become cool yet. She's just kind of, like, <laughs> a, she's just, a, she, like, a lot of her lines are just, like, annoying. Like, they're, it's almost like they're, like, trying to paint her as, like, this um, annoying young person who doesn't know anything. It's exactly what um, they were trying to paint her as. Yeah, it's like, okay. Um and I know that she she like is very cool later on. Um, Her and Rebels to a lot is of people. awesome. Yeah, um, and we know that she's gonna be in Mandalorian now. Um, yeah. However, you feel about that, uh, them kind of closing the loop a bit more. Um, but I yeah. So for those two things, it's been it's been harder to get through season one. But uh, I'm making my way through. Yeah, I, I really want to like Ahsoka. Yeah. Once you, I've, I've like, I adore that character. I think she is one of the best Star Wars characters there is. She's oh, so yeah. Once you, I mean, she gets better in the Clone Wars. I see what you're saying with the season one thing. She's not great in season one of the Clone Wars, but she, she hasn't, better. she hasn't had a chance to like do anything. Like yeah. she just like, all she does is mess up and it's like, come on writers. What are you doing? Like <laughs> you have the chance to paint like this strong new character and like, you're just doing nothing with her. Well, when you see like her entire arc and when she gets a lot more involved in the later seasons, like, I don't want to say you appreciate it more, but there's a little bit where you look back and you're like, it makes a little bit more sense because she does have this really big arc that she, yeah. That she and it's, mm. I, love I, I loved hearing her voice at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. I didn't even know it was hers whenever I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Hadn't seen the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I love that Easter egg. All right. Uh, well, I think we'll end things off here for now since we are very out of time and super out of topics. <laughs> uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Disney Deconstructed Podcast. And if you'd like to further support our show and what we do, go ahead and visit us at anchor.fm slash Disney Deconstructed. There you can see every listening platform we're currently available on. Visit our Instagram and YouTube page, which is new, by the way, and send us messages related to the show and even sign up to make monthly donations to further support us and keep these episodes rolling out in a timely fashion. Make sure to check out the rest of the Deconstructed Podcast Network and give us a follow on Twitter, at Lane Calder, at JakeMoody98, and at SpencerBennett7. You can also spread the word by telling a friend about our show 
and help us grow our small community of Disney fanatics. A very special thank you to Mr. Preston Moore. Thank you for joining us today. It was it was fun. I'm glad I was I'm glad I was able to do it. <laughs> yes, thank you for being here. Please give our listeners a sh- uh, shout out to what you're doing. Where can we find you? What's going on in your life? Yeah, so I'm uh, doing a lot of things since this whole quarantine thing started. Um, currently, I'm a writer for the Diz Insider, um, which is on Twitter at the Diz Insider. It's hard to, you know, whatever. Um, but <laughs> I'm a writer for them, and then I have been working on my own personal stuff. I'm on Twitter at Preston Seymour, and I recently launched um, a personal website, which is pretty exciting and took a long time. It was pretty cool. But yeah, Preston Seymour on Twitter, Instagram, everything. Amazing. Thank you again. Again, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you with more Disney news next week. Writing and producing for this episode of the Disney Deconstructed Podcast was done by my two co-hosts, Jake Moody and Spencer Bennett, and myself, Lane Calder. Editing was done by Lane Calder. The music for our program was composed by Brandon LaBelle. The font for our logo was designed by Edward Pinkava. Our beautiful faces were drawn by Sarah Bermudez. Thanks for joining us, and go have yourself a zippity-doo-dah day. Stay safe out there, folks.